Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Life in 22 Minutes, and sometimes a little bit longer. I am Scott McIntosh, and I am the hosting today with my wife, Becky, who's my co-host. Hello. Hi, everyone. So you didn't sound very excited. Oh, I'm excited, and I'm really excited for our guest that we're about to introduce. (laughs) Introduce, and our guest today is Jason Hall. Uh, We met Jason a few years ago. Has it been two years? Yeah, two years. Two years. Jason's a top-rated motivational speaker, uh, expert in overcoming adversity and creating success. In spite of two life-threatening accidents, numerous surgeries, and literally years of hospitalization, Jason has found a way to turn his tragedy into triumph and has dedicated his life to helping others do the same. Born in Boise, Idaho, Jason was the student body president for the nearly 22,000 students at Brigham Young University. He has been one of the top 6% of insurance professionals around the world and is a member of the Million Dollar Roundtable and currently spends his time as a sought-after motivational speaker and has presented to hundreds of groups from five to 5,000 across the world. You know what? I've spoken to that group of five many times. There you go. How did you get that group of 5,000? Yeah. So anyway, Jason has a unique ability to use entertaining wit, powerful insight to teach others how to find success in every circumstance. So you currently live in Utah, Syracuse. That's right. That's right. And you are here with us today on Life in 22 Minutes to share all kinds of hope and experiences that are going to make people smile and, and, and whatever, bring hope to their lives. Did well, you, you hope so. Did you say his name? I did, did, right at the beginning. I said Jason Hall. Jason Hall. Well, let me say what an honor it is to be with you guys, two people that I love and respect, and uh, I think it's uh, good when you can get together with good people and talk about good things, so I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're honored to have you, and so I want to start off with this student body president thing. Yeah. (laughs) How did you run for student body president? I was in student government in high school, and, uh, you know, when you're there, you, like, put a few stickers together and give them to your friends and you're trying to access a lot more people than it, it was a big challenge but it was a lot of fun it was really what was transformative about it for me was uh some of the leaders that i got to work with were just some of the brightest people that that i know and still today are real mentors of mine um two women especially it was maren moritzen was one and tammy quick and they were just very smart about how to interact with people and, and, uh, how to lead and, and what's important about leading their model had changed at BYU from, uh, from a student, there's not a student government, right? Students don't govern. You can get every student on campus to agree that you want to lower tuition and then the president says no, and then you're done. <laughs> so they said, instead of governing, let's make it a student service association and let's serve because that's what we can do. We can, and, and let's ha- have influence and, and so you did a lot of work with administration and and, uh, and had an opportunity to make change, but it was by cooperating and working together instead of coming in and saying, okay, we're going to send a bill to the student senate and get it voted on. And that works for some people, but at BYU, this model worked a lot better for us. Wow. Well, in high school, uh, you decide you want to be a student body president and you throw your hat in the ring. 
And then uh, you campaign a little bit and, and try to get voted. Is it the same way? So that's similar. So at BYU, it's changed now. Now two people run. But back when I was there, only the president ran. Everybody else was appointed. And so you put in that you wanted to run, and then you had to kind of be approved to be able to run. And then you had two weeks, and they give you a budget, and you have to use that budget. And so go out, try and get creative. We, My sister was on the campaign, and we one of the fun things that we did was uh, in the dorms, um, she got every person on the so old DT right, so it's like nine stories high. Mm-hmm. But on one of the floors, she got every person to agree to put a letter in their window. And so when you drive up Ninth East, you'd see a big sign that said, "This is a Jason Hall." Oh, so, there you go. It was, uh, it was a great awesome. experience. That's awesome. awesome. So, how long was your time in? She said one year. One year. And I got to meet some of the best people that still today are friends and. It was, it was incredible. Oh, right. Experience. So, wow. Awesome. So did you get new pop machines in the cafeteria we did, we like didn't, they talked about on Napoleon Dynamite? Coke in the dr- drinking fountain. You didn't, do <laughs> you didn't do any of that? No. You it made their wildest good. dreams come true. That's right. right? That's right. <laughs> so I was the senior class president, and, and with that role, then you are responsible for the family, them not family reunions, the class, the class reunions. reunions. And so is there... Any kind of responsibilities that just not really. On and on? There's a, an, an executive alumni board that I get to be a part of, and so you still get to be connected a little bit. But there's no. Yeah. yeah. Once you're done, in fact, that's one of the hardest things because you're there and you put so much blood, sweat, and tears into the place, and then when you're finished, you're just you're, you're done. You're done. It's someone <laughs> right. else's job. Right. So the, the president that followed me was Mike Lee, and he's gone on to be a senator. Oh, yeah. So. Wow, so. that is awesome. So yeah. the reason Becky said family reunion is because she came from a small town high school and everybody was everybody's related. family anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. Right. My roommate at BYU had a, was a graduated from a class of six in really? town in California. Yeah, wow. our class, class wasn't much bigger. It was like 210 was yeah. our senior class, graduating class. So I want to tell our audience that you are in a wheelchair. That's right. You're, a, you're quadriplegic. Yep, C5-6 quadriplegic. I have, if, if you draw a line right under your arms, everything below that I can't move. If you draw a line, and I can't, I can move my arms, but not my hands. And if you draw a line right up your center knuckle, everything on the inside, I can feel and move. Everything on the outside, I can't feel. So you can do two thumbs up? Well, kind of, a little kinda. bit. <laughs> my thumbs are up, but I'm not moving them. So, yeah. But, right. So, I, yeah, my entire hand, I can't move. So, when you say feel, you can feel it 100%. Well, it gets worse as it goes. So kind of on the very edge, all of this is hundred percent. And then as I go to the other side of my hand in the middle, it's a little fuzzy. And then as you pass that, then I can't feel at all. In fact, one time I was in my van, it was in, in, in high school and it was August and my van had been outside. And how old were you when? So I was 17. I was 15 when I broke my neck. That's right. And so, uh, I'm sitting in the, and the van is outside and, there were, the hand control was made of metal. And so I put my hand down and I hear this sizzle, sizzle, sizzle. And I was like, man, what's that? And it kind of smelled like eggs. I'm like, who's cooking eggs in August? It's weird. And then I looked down and on my pants, there's blood. And I looked down, I've got this third degree burn on my hand. I'm like, oh, wow, that oh. probably hurts. <laughs> that probably oh, hurts. <laughs> For anybody else, that would really yeah, hurt. Yeah, it would have been pretty painful. But, wow. So. Tell us how, what was the accident? What happened? So, there were two accidents. So when I was 15, I was in a diving accident down at Lake Powell. And that's when I became a quadriplegic. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Grand Junction for three weeks and then the University of Utah, which as a BYU guy, that was a little hard to handle to go live at the <laughs> University of Utah for three months. Uh, in fact, I 
they told me that when I was at, you know, the helicopter has a uh, point of no return where it has to go forward. It can't come back because it doesn't have enough gas. And they waited to that point to tell me that I had to go to the U. But so I was there. I was at the, at the University of Utah for the, for the rest of three months. And on my way out the door, a therapist grabbed me and she wanted to tell me what my life was going to be like. She wanted to manage my expectations, right? It's never good when somebody wants to manage your expectations. But she told me that based on statistics and everything that she knew, that I would go home and I probably wouldn't graduate my class, that I wouldn't leave home, that I wouldn't go to college, that I wouldn't marry unless it was to somebody far older and substantially more desperate. <laughs> she actually said that. The desperate word came out. And then, and then she said that I probably wouldn't get a job that would pay better than Social Security, so I shouldn't try. And I went home to great family and great friends and graduated my class and left and went to BYU and was student body president, met and married my wife, who was far from desperate and three yeah, months younger than me. So, yeah. And then uh, got a job in the insurance industry and in my first two months uh, became part of this million dollar roundtable. And then, so basically my first year in the insurance industry, I paid more in taxes than I would have made in social security. And so, you know, everything, everything she said I wouldn't do, I was able to do. And then um, I was in the insurance for four years. When I was 27, I was driving my car down the interstate to see a client at the new skin building and my front left tire blew. Just like I was just getting ready to get off the freeway and my, just like a shotgun went off in my ear and my car went through all three lanes of traffic going south through the median into the oncoming traffic. I hit a car, car hit me. I was in the hospital for 13 months and really 10 years of hospitalization and therapy. Really this last November was 20 years and we feel like we're finally back to where we were 20 years ago. So wow. that's, that's amazing. So it's been, it's been a journey and you know, you, uh, what happens, you just, my body was just so beat up that my first concern when I'm laying in my van was that I had done more neurological damage, that I was going to lose more movement and feeling. Right. And kind of the very last thing that I have is that I can move my wrist. So if I, if my brake were to go higher, then I wouldn't be able to move my wrists. And so I'm laying in my van kind of, you know, all half in the beat up. I'm on the other side of the car and, and, um, you know, broken and bloody. And, and, uh, and as I'm laying there, the EMT comes up and I start to move my wrists and they're broken and I'm crying. And the EMT says, you know, if you don't move your wrists, it's not going to hurt. And he doesn't understand that I'm crying because you I can, can move my wrists. Right. Um, and so they took me to the ER and when I got there, they took my watch and my ring and I thought that was really odd, but my body if you're seeing it with a black eye, it swells, right? And my right. body was one big black eye. I'd wow. broken legs and arms and anyway. And so that became the emergent problem was that my body was just, my tissue was filling with fluid. In fact, the next night I looked like Popeye. I looked, I looked buff, but for all the wrong reasons, right? Mm -hmm. And my fingers looked like sausages. And as the fluid filled my tissue and it started to go into my organs, into my lungs, into my liver and, and into my heart and, and that's when they came to my family and said, basically, if you're going to say goodbye, you better do it now because he's not going to be here. And so it was rough. That night was tough and I couldn't breathe because my lungs were filled with fluid. And so they would take this tube and they would suction out my uh, lungs and it was painful and bloody. And they didn't want to do it very often, but I, I had kept calling him every 45 minutes because I, it was the only way I could breathe. Uh, finally, at 3.30, I call him in and I say, I need the respiratory therapist again and the nurse. Who, she know she believes I'm going to die, right? Nobody told me, luckily. Right. And so 
the, they come in and, you know, I say, I need the respiratory therapist again. And she says, you know, Jason, you don't have to do this anymore. And I remember mm-hmm. looking at her like, if I don't do this, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. I don't want to die. And so it's just, I think everyone oh, has that That choice. was her way of just saying, hey, just let go. That's right. And I, wow. I think, you know, I, I think everyone in life has that choice. We kind of choose, are we going to take what's expected or are we going to try and find, you know, what we can do, what we can become? And do we choose you know, surviving or do we choose thriving? Do we, you know, and everyone kind of has to choose life or the life that they want. And it takes effort and work. And, but that day that, you know, I, that was a pretty powerful lesson to me because I had, I wanted life. I want, and if I hadn't chose it, then I wouldn't have. Wow. So I got a question for you. Was, was there by chance, uh, this, reality specialist that you'd met before was she sisters with this gal or were they, know, uh, they classmates were, yeah. what happened right crazy right <laughs> you know i think people sometimes try and just accept what is instead of what can be i was grateful i think what i think i i really truly believe that one of the reasons that i'm here today is that that nobody told me that i was supposed to die that that thought never even entered my mind ever not once that right. i think i was going to die in fact i remember it was about two months later that, and I was healthy and doing well. My dad said, wow, that was close. And I'm like, what do you mean that was close? And he says, yeah, you know, you're supposed to go. But I think that, that there's real power in the mind and what we believe we can achieve. And once we start to accept, we say, oh, that's just the way it is. Then that becomes reality for us. Right. And so we just, we get to choose our reality. We get to choose what we want in our lives and, uh, and and nobody gets to make that choice for us, but us. And sometimes there's hard things that make it. So we got to figure out a different way around or, um, you know, it's, it's like getting this house. We had to put together some ramps and figure it out a little bit different. And our first way didn't work, but you still say, okay, we want to get in. And so we're going to figure a way. Adjust. Right. That's right. right. Make change. Wow, that's uh, that's an impressive story. So the first accident was a diving accident into water, and then the second one would it have caused um, paralysis? I, do you no, think? I don't think so. It I, just I broke mean, you I, up. Probably just yeah. I mean, luckily they don't they don't think that I did any. If they if there had been damage, even if it had been below my level, they still would have had to repair it and fix it, and so. But they knew lucky. immediately you were um, in a wheelchair because you were in your wheelchair when it happened. That's right. right. Drive, yeah. yeah, I drive from my wheelchair. So right. the wheelchair stayed in its spot, and I had I had a seatbelt on and everything, but I got, my legs got broken up pretty bad, and I yeah. slipped out. But it's amazing, you know. And if you had told me that morning driving to that appointment that this other accident was going to happen, I would have said no way. I mean, I had my struggle and. Right. But that's life. Life Could, is life couldn't life, get worse. That's right. But let's <laughs> life is struggle. Life is all about right. how we figure out you know, I meet people all the time and people come up to me and say, I don't know how you do it. And I think the same thing about them. I think if I if people could see what you deal with, I think people everyone's got it hard. No one's got it easy. Everyone's got hard things and there's lots of hard things out there. And I think life is all about just figuring our way through our hard things. And that's part of what I talk about is I think life comes in seasons. I think sometimes you get summertime and everything you want falls right into your lap. And other times it's winter. And every time you take a step forward, it comes with two steps back. But no matter what our circumstance, everybody wants success. And so part of what I talk about is how we can find success in every circumstance. And I think there's five things that we have to do. And we have to think positive. We have to have purpose. 
We have to love people. We have to keep perspective and we have to just persist. Sometimes that last one's the one that wins them all. Just persist. Just take one more step. Just keep going. You know, no matter how hard it is, you got to just keep moving the ball down the field and eventually it's going to get better. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you have affirmations? Are you a goal setter or? Definitely a goal setter. I'm, I believe in the power of goals. I think that, I think that, but I think you have to set a goal properly. I think if you don't have a goal that's specific, written down, measurable, and that you make yourself accountable to, then I don't, I think then when you're just talking about dreams, I think if you, if you're talking about something and you don't know what you're going to do, when it's going to be done by, it's not written down and you don't have somebody else asking you about it, then you're just dreaming. You know, there's, there's something powerful that happens in the subconscious when you actually put a pen to paper and write a goal down. And it's almost a contract with yourself. And it's, it's, um, it just, it's something powerful that gets your whole mind starting to think about, uh, you know, what you're going to do. One of the hardest things that I did when I came into the insurance business was I wanted to make the million dollar round table. And this is, I heard that it was the top of the top and I wanted to be a part of it. And I told everybody that I was going to do it in my first year, not my first 12 months, but my first calendar year. And I was supposed to come into the business in April and I got sick and some other things. So anyway, I come in, I start the process in August. I end up contracted the first of November. So I have two months and, and it's like something that people in their third, fourth year sometimes don't do. And, and I was able to do it, but the only, only reason I did it, I believe is because I had MDRT million dollar round table written everywhere. Mm. If it was in my car, it was in my bathroom. It was in my office. It was everywhere. I looked, I had written it down everywhere. And I, it was a part of my, you know, every day when I would go to bed, I would think about it. When I woke up, I would think about it. When I was eating, I would think, I mean, I just thought about it all the time. And I think when you do that, then things just start to happen and come into place. And then I set a word for the year and this, my word for this year is engage. Mm-hmm. I want to be, I want to engage. I want to engage in my family. I want to engage in my business. I want to be engaged. I want to, so that's, those are the kind of the two things that I do is I'm, I set goals and then I kind of, nice. This is my first year doing a word. I'm excited about it. It's, is it? Yeah. And that, that's and funny that you bring that up because that was what was in my mind to ask you next, yeah. what you, if you had a word, what your word was. So. Yeah. So just, yeah, this is, my wife has done it always. And, um, uh, I heard, um, on one of your podcasts, you were talking to Michelle McCullough and she had had a word and, and, um, I think I'd heard Ty Bennett talking about it. And so, I thought I'm going to, I'm going to try this. And I, I'm amazed, even though it's just January, I've, I've known what my word was. So I've, I've had my word for a little bit longer than just the year, but so I've been thinking about it and it's, it's made an impact already. I, I, I would encourage anyone to set goals and have a word. I think, I think it just helps you to focus differently on your life and, and, and on something that you want to work on. And I think that that's, and then you get to kind of evaluate it all the time because just like my goals, I have my word in lots of different places so that I can remember to think about it. And because if I want, if I'm going to set something, I want to be able to have it where I can, where you can see it. Absolutely. So how can our listeners get in, get in touch with you? Do you have a website? So my website's pretty easy, just jasonhall.com. And then you can find me. I'm on a lot of the social media. I'm S Jason Hall. uh, And then S Jason Ace on Twitter. Mostly I just do Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll start I want to start doing some stuff on YouTube, but we haven't yet. So we just, and I try and, you know, you post stuff about me, but I also try and post positive messages that people can 
you know, look at and uh-huh. get a little bit of motivation, inspiration in their life. Absolutely. And I went to your website yesterday and you have some fabulous videos oh, thank um, you. of you presenting. And so I highly encourage you, you listeners to look up Jason Hall, watch his, his videos, book him to come and speak. He's very inspirational and just an all around amazing, fine man. Well, you're kind. What a great thing this has been. This is awesome. So what's your final word as you uh, leave us today? We're running out of time. And what do you have to say that will change the world or bring a smile to their face? I think that there's real power in humor. I think that um, when I was in the hospital, my dad came out with a group of cards that he wanted, things he wanted me to do every day. And one of those things was to watch or listen to something funny every day. And I think that when you can laugh, then everything gets easier. When anybody's in a hard time or you're trying to find your way through a struggle, then don't forget the power of humor. Make sure that you listen to something that makes you laugh, that makes you smile, that makes you forget for just a minute. Because sometimes that pause, that respite is all your brain needs to be able to handle the rest of whatever you're dealing with. Smile, right? Wonderful advice. Great parting words. So thanks everybody for joining us. And thank you, Jason Hall. Thank you. This has been a privilege. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.